Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the same way that the Seattle Seahawks fans collectively call themselves the 12th man, or how Paul McCartney called the Beatles manager Brian Epstein the fifth Beatle, some scholars have called the book of Isaiah the fifth gospel. And so our reading for today could have been called the gospel according to Isaiah. In the Christian tradition, at least, the book of Isaiah is not just a prequel to Jesus' story like Star Wars telling the story of Anakin to Luke Skywalker or The Hobbit telling the story of Bilbo Baggins to Frodo from The Lord of the Rings. Rather, the prophet Isaiah is a fifth gospel because, as St. Jerome said in the third century, Isaiah describes all the mysteries of Christ and the church so clearly that you would think he's, a, he's composing a history of what already has happened rather than prophesying about what is to come. Even the Gospel of John says that Isaiah saw Jesus' glory and spoke of him. So we began Advent with this fifth Gospel, with the Gospel according to Isaiah Isaiah is quoted in the New Testament over 250 times, referring not only to things like prayer and preaching and forgiveness and faith, but also to things specific to Jesus' life, his birth, his death, his resurrection. The book of Isaiah is at once poetry and prose, narrative and hymn, mini apocalypse and somber dirge. 19th century literary critic and poet Matthew Arnold, after translating this book of Isaiah from Hebrew into English, said that he received more delight and stimulus from Isaiah than from Shakespeare or Milton, those classic poets who write in his own native tongue. Yes, Isaiah tells the gospel story and roots us in the promises of God who comes among us to let light shine in the darkness. Set in its own historical context, the prophet, the prophet Isaiah has two stories to tell. That of the Messiah, Emmanuel, the one who is to come, and that of God in his own era. From beginning to end, the book of Isaiah spans 200 years of history, retelling the tale of the city of Jerusalem and empire after empire that dominated her. The Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Persians. The Assyrians a growing empire in the 8th century BCE nearly took over the city of Jerusalem. But while the Assyrian army sat on the doorstep of Jerusalem, the Babylonians came and conquered both the Assyrian empire in all her glory and the city of Jerusalem in full. So the Babylonians force-marched Jerusalem's best and brightest over 500 miles from Jerusalem to Babylon, leaving them in exile far from home. And almost 50 years later, the Persian Empire wins over all the land held by the Babylonians, and the Persian emperor Cyrus, known to be tolerant of foreigners and benevolent towards strangers, allowed the exiled people to return home to Jerusalem. 
The whole story is quite terrifying and hard to imagine from our perspective, yes, but let's try. It would be as if, in some unlikely and unusual alternate history, after decades of bad decisions in Kenilworth, our tiny village was on the verge of being taken over by the looming empire of Winnetka. Only to be taken over soon by that greater, more cruel empire of Wisconsin and forced to march almost all the way to Duluth, living in the land of cheese far from home. Then, decades later, later, the empire of Michigan, both peninsulas in all their glory, take over Wisconsin and Illinois, respectively, and the governor of Michigan, in his benevolence, allows us residents of Kenilworth to finally return home. Land burned, yes, and homes in ruin, yes, from former occupation, but home nonetheless alongside that same strip of Lake Michigan that we love, though still under Michigander rule. I put it in terms that we can only jokingly imagine living in this land of cheese far from home, but the historical parallel is true nonetheless. You can taste the tears of lament, of loss, of longing for home. And that is the context for today's text. It is thought to be set in this time just after the people returned home from, to Jerusalem, but before their city is rebuilt. Today's text is a prayer of longing, a song of lament. It begins with a call for God, not a milquetoast God, not a meek God, but a warrior God, all-powerful, mythic God, making mountains quake and fires burn and enemies tremble. It declares faithfulness to God alone and confesses a multitude of sins, accuses God of hiding, of being angry. And then it turns again towards God saying, please forgive, forget, remember, we are your people. And so I will attempt the KSL version of this text, the Katie Snipes Lancaster version of this passage from Isaiah as a way to widen the scope of this text. Here it goes. O come, O come, Emmanuel, God with us. Tear open space and time, matter and the very fabric of the universe to save us. Rend the heavens and come down. Come down and do that wild old school God thing. Burn the forest, shake the mountains, bring shock and awe to our enemies. Let the bad guys shake in their boots. The terrorists and the Nazis and the Lord Voldemorts and the Darth Vaders, let them all tremble. Batman's Joker and Spider-Man's Lex Luthor, let them shiver and shake in your presence. In fact, let all the cities and all the countries and all the planets and galaxies tremble at your presence. Because from ancient times, from time before time, there has been only you. We hear only you. We see only you. You tend to those of us who wait. You join the do-gooders and the Samaritans. Those altruistic humanitarians and neighborly neighbors know your presence. But you were mad at us. You were mad at us, God, and we were bad. Maybe we were bad because you were mad. You hid your face and you were angry. We have all become like mounds of dirty laundry, filthy like that gray, slushy Chicago snow that we hate. You hide your face from us. You were furious. And we became like a withered leaf, falling, blown away by the wind of our wrongdoing. And yet, and yet, and yet, 
you are our father. Parent, padre, papa, we belong to you. You are the potter and we are the clay. You are the baker and we are the bread. You are the maker and we are yours. You created us. You belong to us. You depend, you, we depend on you. And you are bound to us. Forget our faults. Wipe clean our mess. Erase all wrongdoing. Please remember, we are your people. We belong to you. We are yours. See how the text starts out hard, violent even. Isaiah has this edge of longing to it, but an even harder edge of revenge. And then Isaiah becomes tender again, speaking to that ancient history of a relationship with God when God is seen and heard and known. And Isaiah struggles. He rages against the situation. He rages against Jerusalem's sin. He rages against God's anger. But then... There is that beginning part of verse 8, the and yet passage, where Isaiah relaxes again towards tenderness, a hopeful song of reconciliation between God and God's people. Isaiah asks God not to rage. God, forget, forgive, remember us. And so this turns us to 2014, to us here, Advent, the first Sunday in Advent, the candle of hope being lit. What does this say to us? We are here living in this calm little pocket of peace alongside the shore of Lake Michigan. We have water to drink. We have food to eat. We have a warm, safe place to sleep. We have little to long for. We are not returning from a generation of exile we are not rebuilding a city in ruins. We are not under colonial rule. Maybe we are not like the people in the book of Isaiah who long for sins to be wiped clean and a new future to unfold. Maybe we're thankful for the way things are, for the status quo. But it doesn't take long to undo that, right? For us to land ourselves in this text. For do we not hope that God might bring our enemies to their knees? Public enemies like ISIS or Ebola, common enemies like cancer or addiction, pervasive enemies like racism or poverty, private enemies like worry or exhaustion. And do we not pray to God in one long breath saying, I've seen you, I've heard you, I belong to you, but where are you? Do we not blame God sometimes, screaming, God, you left us, that is why we sinned? And do we not turn our hearts towards tenderness, a hopeful pleading, please, please forget, erase it all. Be our God, remember us, we are your people, we belong to you. In this way, it becomes appropriate that we begin Advent with confession. Would we even need a savior if, we were, if all were well here on earth? Would we still bend down to the manger in hopes of finding the one Isaiah calls the Prince of Peace if all were well here? Would we still sing with Isaiah, comfort, comfort my people? If all were well, would we be satisfied with presence hidden under the tree? I don't think so. I think we cry out for 
the thing to be hidden, God's presence, God's face to be shown. If all were well, we would be satisfied with a hollow December 25th winter ritual of scattering torn wrapping paper across the living room floor. It was fun. But instead, we cry out with, God, we cry out with Isaiah to God for God to tear open not the presence under the tree, but the very boundary between heaven and earth. We cry for God to come down. Advent begins with confession. It begins with a text that says, Please, God, we are like that dirty pile of laundry. Make us clean. Forgive our sins. With our first Advent candle lit, that candle of hope, we can confidently stand as people who confess our sins before God. Because in confession, we stand in hope. For as scripture says over and over again, God is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. And in this Advent season, we come with our individual confessions, words we wish we could take back, decisions we wish we had not done, hurt we have caused, pride or vanity or laziness or busyness that separated us from those who loved us or who needed us. We will have something to confess. We all have something to confess, something that we wish God would forget. But this Advent, we also join the whole world in longing for the day when tomorrow might be better than today, when justice might reign. And so we also have these communal confessions that we bring to God. After Black Friday's fuss over deep discounts and just before tomorrow's Cyber Monday madness, what do we confess? A communal greed? A societal gluttony? Surely we must confess something because these secular, consumer-centric Christmas time traditions so often go against the grain of our Christian narratives of hope and peace. And after the grand jury announced that it would not indict Darren Wilson in the death of Michael Brown and as protests still echo across the nation, what do we confess? A communal participation in the legacy of racism? A societal complacency, a failure to speak up when racist remarks are made, even if it is only by that one beloved family member who makes them every year over Thanksgiving dinner. Surely we must confess something, because as a Harvard Business Review article said about the leadership challenges now facing Ferguson, this is not a poor side of the town problem. This is not a young black man problem or any other version of their problem. We're all in this together. And it is in this, in our communal and our individual confessions, that we begin Advent. We begin Advent singing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, because all is not right, and we need God, and we need God's presence, we need God's forgiveness. We need God to remember us and not forget us, ours, and to not forget us, and to forget our sins. We began Advent singing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, knowing that in God we can have hope because we are in God's hands. God is the potter and we are the clay. And we began Advent singing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, because we long for the day when justice and peace reign, when, as Julian of Norwich says, all shall be well. And all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. 
Let us be God's people. Let us hope. Let us confidently stand in the presence of God who turns towards us, who remembers us, who knows us, who forgives us. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.